0: Yada, Vain. Mm-hmm. Digrikshan, desiring to enjoy. Urusha, the living entity. Karasnahena, in total. Prakrate, of material nature. Man, the most. Navadvaram, having nine gates. Hasta, Hasta, hands, yes. angry, legs, satra, hair, amanta to be thought, thought. Sadhu, sadhu, very good, good. good. iti, thus. Yes. Translation and purport by His Divine Grace, Srila Prabhupada. Translation When the living entity wants to enjoy the modes of material nature, in their totality, He prefers, out of many bodily forms, to accept that body which has nine legs, two hands and two legs. Thus, he prefers to become a human being or a demigod. Purport. This is a very nice explanation of how the spiritual being, the part and parcel of Krishna God, accepts a material body by virtue of his own desires. Accepting two hands, two legs and so on, the living entity fully enjoys the modes of material nature. Lord Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita, 7.27, Ichhadvesha Samuthena, Dvandva Mohena Sarva Sarvabhutani Sammohan, Sargeyanti Parantapa, O Skiyan of Bharata Arjuna, O Conqueror of the Four, All living entities are born into religion, overcome by the dualities of desire and hate. Originally, the living entity is a spiritual being. But when he actually desires to enjoy this material world, he comes down. From this verse, we can understand that the living entity first accepts a body that is human in form. But gradually, due to his degraded activities, he falls into lower forms of life, into the animal, plant and aquatic forms. By the gradual process of evolution, the living entity again attains the body of a human being and is given another chance to get out of the process of transmigration. If he again misses his chance in the human form to understand his position, he is again placed in the cycle of birth and death in various types of bodies. The desire of the living entity to come into the material world is not very difficult to understand. Although one may be born in a family of Aryans, where there are restrictions against meat eating, intoxication, gambling and illicit sex. Still, one may want to enjoy these forbidden things. There is always someone who wants to go to a prostitute for illicit sex or to a hotel to eat meat and drink wine. There is always someone who wants to gamble at nightclubs or enjoy so-called sports. All these propensities are already within the hearts of the living entities. But some living entities stop to enjoy these abominable activities and consequently fall down to a degraded platform. The more one desires a degraded life within his heart, the more he falls down to occupy different forms of abominable existences. This is the process of transmigration and evolution. A particular type of animal may have a strong tendency to enjoy one kind of sense enjoyment, but in the human form, one can enjoy all the senses. The human form has the facility to utilize all the senses for gratification. Unless one is properly trained, he becomes a victim of the modes of material nature as confirmed by Bhagavad Gita 3.27. Prakriti kriya manani, karmani sarvashaha, ahankara manyate. The bewildered spirit soul, under the influence of the three modes of material inner nature, thinks himself the doer of activities that are in actuality carried out by nature. As soon as one desires to enjoy his senses, he puts himself under the control of material energy and automatically or mechanically is placed into the cycle of birth and death in various life forms. (laughs) Om Jnantamina Dhasya Jnantana Shalakaya Chakshubhin Vinitam Yena Tasmai Shri Gurave Namaka Shri Chaitanya Ammaro Nishtan Sthāpitaṁ ye nabhūtale, svayam yūpa kadāmiyam, tadāti svapagandikam, ukaṁ karo tiva jālam, pamurum lāṅgaya sedhiriṁ, yathra pārtamaham mande, śrī guru dīnatāyaṁ, vāṅchā kalpata dhūghyasya, kripaṁ dhūghyasya, patitaṁ pāvanekyo. Vaishnavetyo namo namama. Jai Shri Krishna, Chaitanya. Prabhu Nityananda. Shri advaita Gadadara. Shri Vasati, Omra Bhaktavinda. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna. Krishna, Krishna, Hare Hare. Hare Rama, Hare Rama. Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Hare Krishna. It feels very odd to give class to the camera. <laughs> but I know this is the current situation we are doing because of the coronavirus thing. Um, so we are seeing that um, in this particular chapter, the talks between Narad Muni and Pratinabhadi are continuing. Narad Muni, the eternal um, devotee of the Lord and the compassionate soul that he is, he is um, extremely disturbed or he gets extremely, com- he feels extreme compassion when he's sees the deplorable condition of King Prachinabhari. So over the last few chapters, we have been understanding how Muni through the allegory of King Puranjana, has been trying to make King Prachinabhari understand the futility of all these uh, karmic activities that King Prachinabhari was engaged in doing, the animal killing that he was doing, the names of bathing sacrifices. So we can see he's engaged in that, and now King Prachinabhari has posed some question at the beginning of this chapter. Which Narada Muni is explaining, he is giving answers to that question. So he is telling King Pratina Bhari in the first verse of this chapter had posed a question that how is it that the living entity, like you have explained all this to me, but I am unable to understand because I am steeped in sense gratification and in um, all these activities of animal pulling and Vedic sacrifices that have been doing. So, it is very difficult for people who are overly attached to fruitive activities to realise the purport of what, whatever you are speaking. So, this is what he was explaining. And now, in this particular verse, Muni is further explaining how somebody gets the human form of life. The process of evolution is explained by Shila Prabhupada in this particular uh, verse. So, it first of all refutes the philosophy, like in some some transcendental uh, sects, they say that once you get a human form of life, you always stay in the human form of life and you keep transmigrating within the human form of life. You never fall down from the human form of life. This is the explanation that some transcendental sects give. But Srila Prabhupada is refuting that particular um, uh, explanation completely. Prabhupada is saying that based on the desire and the karma that a person has done, he will definitely fall down. So he can fall down in the previous verses, he he can fall down into a two-legged animal, or a four-legged animal, or, you know, multi-legged animal, like centipedes and all these types of insects, Prabhupada was saying in the previous verse. So, uh, Prabhupada is explaining over here that the basic, like, you know, we go back down to that, you know, question which is always there amongst devotees, especially in this form, that, how come we came to this material world when we were serving Krishna so nicely in the spiritual world? Prabhupada is explaining and Narad Muni is also explaining that when somebody wants to enjoy the modes of material nature, when the living entity becomes envious that why is Krishna alone enjoying, why is he the center of attraction, why can't people serve me? As soon as even that little bit of a desire comes in the living entity's heart, he immediately, Krishna makes facility for him to immediately come down. Krishna has created this material world where he has given facilities to the living entity to enjoy. Yes, senses Whoever desires to enjoy separately from Krishna. And Prabhupada is making one more point in the purport over here. Prabhupada is saying that the first time when a living entity comes from the spiritual world, he actually is given a form, a human form. So he is, Krishna is so merciful that he straight away doesn't cast someone into an animal form or an amphibian or aquatic or something like that. He is giving chances at every stage for a living entity to go back. And obviously we know that human form of life is the best situation which a living entity can have to go back to uh, the spiritual world. So the first time a living entity comes, Prabhupada is explaining that he actually is given a human form of life, wherein he can understand that the higher, the purpose of this life is to go back to Godhead, is to realize through devotional service, the position of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, and again reach back as a abode. But when a living entity fails to do that, he fails to recognize the purpose of the form that has been given to him, he can then keep going down and down and down. And then he again goes into that cycle of evolution of 8.4 million species, which Krishna explains to Arjuna in the Bhagavad Gita. So, uh, even in the human form of life, we see there are 400,000 types of human species. Now, when we say there are 400,000 types of human species, we might wonder that everybody looks the same. All human beings have either man, woman, child. They all have two legs, two hands. So, where are these 400 types of human species? But Prabhupada explains in many many of his Bhagavatam purports that these 400,000 types of human species is in terms of the evolution of consciousness. So, we see there are Vyachas, Yavanas. We see there are those... You know, people who live in the aboriginals or someone who live in the forest, who are not, you know, completely aware of the purpose of human form of life, who are just engaged in uh, eating meat, killing animals. So Prabhupada is explaining about evolution of consciousness in terms of these 400,000 species. So we see even today, for example, this whole world is gripped by this coronavirus here. And you know, there are lockdowns being announced in India. There has been a complete lockdown for 21 days. I was just yesterday speaking to my relatives in India, and um, uh, one of my relatives is a dentist. And he was saying that that is where it is actually spreading. Like dentists have clinics have been heavily, you know, asked to be closed down because of the, you know, directly treating into the mouth <laughs> of the person. And just, you know, when they do that uh, machine that sprays spreads outside when they are trying to clean while treating So, dentists are definitely being closed down. So people have to live with their mental care, whatever case they might have for 21 days. Mm-hmm. So there's a complete lockdown in Australia. Also we are hearing in Victoria, especially a are here in there might be a lockdown. On WhatsApp, we keep getting those scary messages, stock up your groceries, like especially for Krabhastas, go and buy things, go and buy essentials, so there's going to be a lockdown. So we are hearing these scary things. In fact, you know, somebody had gone to the city two, three days ago. So we have all started working from home. Since two weeks, everything, all of us have been sent home, we've been working from home. Very few offices are still open. But the city has become like a ghost town. People are saying there is nobody. No, you know, brands are empty. Nothing is running in the city. The only crowd, you know, one person who visited the city, was saying the only crowd that is there is outside liquor shops. <laughs> so that is, that is what we are seeing. You know, that is what Prabhupada means by the evolution of consciousness. Like, there is so much of fear which is there, but people are lining out of outside liquor shops because they don't know how to spend their time. You know, when they've been sent home, there's nothing much to do. Some people, like, almost 90,000 Australians have lost their jobs over the last one week or two weeks. Because most of the airlines have closed down. There are no flights which are flying. So many people from Virgin Australia, like, i heard 9,000 people were laid off from Virgin Australia. So people are losing their jobs, they're sitting at home. Obviously, there is a mode of panic, stress, anxiety, which is there in the world as well. But this is what people are resorting to. There are queues outside liquor shops to buy liquor. Money is not there, obviously. They've lost their jobs. People are short of money, but still, you know, they are prioritizing sending whatever limited resources they have on liquor. Now, you know, yesterday only one devotee had come to our house and he was saying that St. Kilda Beach is, you know, really a mayhem. People are crowding in St. Kilda Beach just to enjoy it. One of my team members, you know, last weekend, he had gone to Sorrento, the beach in Sorrento. And he was, I was saying, oh, it must have been quiet, isn't it? And he said, no it was pretty crowded. Mm-hmm. So people like, in India, we see videos. The police is actually able to impose the lockdown. We they see, they, you know, they are able to get with those lackeys or those long sticks which police officers have. But here in the beaches, I was told, the police are requesting. They are holding their hands and requesting people, can you go home? But people aren't listening and the police are not able to do anything. Because obviously, yeah, they will sue the police if somebody gives, you know, one panda to the person who's not listening, they will sue the police. So all those rights and rules and protection which citizens have, but they are working against their own self. Like there was one news report I was reading where it was said that if 90% of people stay quarantined for three months, then this will come down. 90% for three months. That is what is the current situation and you know in BBC news we were seeing in USA 100,000 people have got this virus right now. So in USA is becoming second China. So much is spreading. So in Australia also it might happen because people aren't understanding. They are you know, working to enjoy on the beach. So what Prabhupada is talking about in this purpose. Just wanting to enjoy their senses. And animals, Prabhupada is explaining in this purport that animals, like every animal usually has one strong sense by which he enjoys his senses. Like Prabhupada says, pigeons and monkeys, they can have sex multiple times in a day. So that is their strong sense with which they enjoy. Like dogs have very strong sense of smell for example, or you know tigers and lions love to eat meat. So that is their sense which is developed. So, Usually animals, you know, at least are better from humans, uh, better than humans in this particular um, aspect. That they only enjoy one particular sense, which has been, you know, designed, ordained by nature for them or by Krishna for them. And they are actually exhausting their karmas. But in human form of life, because we have all these senses and so-called developed intelligence, we are utilizing these senses, all our senses to enjoy everything. We want to eat nice, nice things, unrestricted eating, like Prabhupada saying, People want to eat meat eating. People want to drink the lime cues outside liquor shops, even amongst all this pandemic that is there. We want to enjoy our eyes. We are seeing that, you know, uh, internet, this load, NBN and Telstra, we and were that there is a big load on the internet right now, because everyone is sitting at home. Obviously, working from home has increased, but also people are enjoying watching movies, free downloads are being offered, also Everyone wants to enjoy their eyes by watching all these things, ears by listening to music. So, only in the human form of life we want to enjoy all our senses. And we the entire human form of life is being misused. People are not utilizing their higher intelligence. Like we can see in this particular, Prabhupada says that the true uh, test is when you, know, you are faced with a difficult situation. And when these humans are faced with these situations, we are seeing how they are utilizing their time. Going to the beaches, not doing the social distancing which government is saying, utilizing their senses to drink liquor, meat eating. Like I was told there are no freezers left in Australia for people to buy. One of my colleagues was saying, and I said, buy freezers of all the things. He said, because people have bought, you know, volumes and volumes of meat and they have stocked the meat in their freezers. Because they think that, oh, we don't know if we will get meat in the future and all that. So, this is how, you know, the human beings are utilizing their senses and their human form of life. So only just said, like we all know from Prabhupada, thankfully by reading Prabhupada's books, we all know that only by doing some bhakti on shukruti one gets an opportunity to come into devotional life. One gets an opportunity to associate with devotees, to render some devotional service, to come to the temple, take darshan or hear about the Lord. That can only happen if someone has some bhakti on shukruti And it is also described by Prabhupada that one gets this bhakti on shukruti by associating with a devotee. So either by associating with a devotee or accidentally serving a devotee. So for example, if someone has nothing like, you know, all of in our temple we have such nice harinams which all, which all of you all do so nicely in the city. So if someone has accidentally, you know, even danced or clapped, that is where their process of bhakti on shukruti is actually starting for them. Or someone has dug a well, you know, just they dug a well in, in, a, in a village. But some devotees came by and drank that water. So it was that person didn't dig the well to serve the devotees, but he has accidentally served the devotees like this. And that, then that, that process of bhakti and mokhiti should starts for that particular person. So Prabhupada explains that only by associating with a paramahamsa and all his representatives, all his teachings, his books, does one come into the path of devotional service. So for all all of us sitting over here, obviously for us that Paramahansa devotee was Srila Prabhupada. So we might not have directly associated with Srila Prabhupada, but we we got an association through his disciples or his grand disciples or the Harinams which were happening through the Harinams process that he started for us or books, so many devotees have come into Krishna consciousness just by coming in contact with Srila Prabhupada's books, like book distribution which, you know, is being done so nicely again in a temple. So only by coming in contact with these devotees do we get an opportunity to come out of the cycle of evolution, even in the human form of life. So all of us had this human form of life, maybe we had it for a few births, we don't know what we were in our previous life. But the fact that we we have got a chance to associate with devotees in this particular life, that means in our previous life something we might have done because of which we have got this association in this particular lifetime. And it is giving us a chance to come out of even those 400,000 human species where some humans' uh, consciousness is completely degraded. And they, are, you know, they are going to fall down into the lower species because the consciousness is completely degraded. So it is only by association of a pure devotee that one gets this opportunity to come out of the cycle of transmigration like Srila Prabhupada is explaining in the, in the purport. And today it is the appearance of one such paramahamsa, one such great devotee, it is the appearance of Ramanujacharya. So we will spend the next uh, some time discussing about the life of Ramanujacharya. Rupa says that on the appearance day or disappearance day of an Acharya, it is very auspicious to discuss about their pastimes, their glories. And on that particular day, those devotees whose appearance or disappearance day they are in a very merciful mood. So we also can invoke their blessings by discussing their pastimes and their glories. So Ramanujacharya, like, we know there are four bona fide Vaishnava sampradayas. And these four bona fide Vaishnava Sampradayas are, as we know, the Brahma, Madhva, Gaudiya Sampradaya. So, Lord Krishna or Lord uh, Vishnu or Narayan spoke this essence of Krishna consciousness or devotional service to four leading personalities in this existence, in this material world. The first personality is Brahma. So, Lord Narayan imparted knowledge to Brahma. We know how, you know, when Brahma was sitting on top of the lotus flower, when creation happened, he was confused what he has to do. Mechanically, tried to search the source of his creation by travelling down the stem of the lotus. But obviously, Prabhupada explains time and again by mechanical means he can never attain Krishna. So he wasn't able to reach the end of the lotus stem and see who is the source of his creation. So went back on top of the lotus flower, got the message to Tapa and he did the Tapa. And then he got Darshan of Lord Krishna or Lord Vishnu. And that's when you know the Vaishnava like, Sampradaya, the, the Ma was imparted to the knowledge of Vaishnavism. So Lord Narayan imparts to Brahma, he also imparts to Lakshmi the knowledge of devotional service. And then there is also knowledge imparted to Rudra or Shiva and the four Kumaras. So for the four Kumaras it is said that Ananta Shesh actually imparts the knowledge to uh, the leader of the four Kumaras and that is how Vaishnavism was spread by the four Kumaras. So these are the four fide Vaishnava sampradayas and without receiving proper knowledge or without receiving no, uh, instructions from one of these four modified Sampradayas one cannot make progress in Vaishnavism so we see in India especially we see there are so many people who claim to be devotees we see some you know oh, we have in India when we had gone this time in February we, we were uh, Jagannatham was invited to address a group and that group was doing some people like we are called the Radha Serika group or something like that now, you know, we have these curious things happening, at least they are doing something, but they don't have any inkling of the four qualified Vaishnava sampradayas and being connected to those sampradayas. In fact, Rupa Goswami explains in uh, his uh, teachings that unless one has taken either siksha or diksha in one of these four qualified Vaishnava sampradayas, he cannot actually ass- um, understand the essence of Krishna consciousness and he cannot be linked back to. Or going back to the spiritual world, so one has to take siksha or diksha within one of these four or five sampradayas. But as Krishna says in Bhagavad Gita in 4.2, "Evam rajashayo yoga nashtha So Krishna says that because of the force of time, these teachings have been lost to Arjuna. So we see some of these pure, pristine teachings that Lord Krishna imparted to these great personalities, Brahma, Rudra, Shiva, and Kumaras, they get lost. And then Krishna himself sends you know, some powerful acharyas to re-establish his teachings, which got lost. So we see in the Rudra Sampradaya, Lord Krishna sent Vishnu Swami. He came to re-establish the teachings of the Rudra Sampradaya because they were lost. And also down the line in Rudra Sampradaya, Vallabha came. So this whole set we see especially in Gujarat, even in Mumbai, it's a big thing. We see these Vallabhacharya, they have Havelis, they're called as Kushti like they worship the Baal Gopal, the child form of Lord Krishna. It's very famous in Gujarat, Rajasthan and Mumbai also. So Vallabhacharya came to establish the pristine teachings of Lord, uh, of uh, Rudra Santaraya. Be- before him Vishnu Swami had come to establish. In terms of the Kumara Sampradaya, again the teachings had been lost and therefore Nimba Kacharya came to establish the, re-establish the teachings of the Kumara Sampradaya. In the Brahma Sampradaya, we obviously know Madhavacharya came to, re, to re-establish the teachings and then in this particular Kali Yuga, chaitanya Prabhu, the Lord Himself came to uh, spread the pure love of Krishna and to spread the teachings of the uh, Brahma Madhava Sampradaya. And then in the Lakshmi Sampradaya or the Sri Sampradaya, Ramanujacharya came, to re-establish the teachings or to re-establish the Siddhanta of Vaishnavism. So, um, describing the birth of Ramanujacharya, so during, you know, before 1000, the Christian era 1000 BC, uh, there was a very great saint called Yamunacharya. He was considered one of the greatest saints at that time in uh, Bharat, Varsha, and especially in South India. He was tirelessly trying to preach the glories of Vaishnavism and tirelessly trying to establish the siddhanta that Narayana or Vishnu is the supreme personality of Godhead and everyone should worship him. So he was one of the great saints and he had a disciple, a sannyas disciple called Shailapurna. This Shailapurna was a very devout disciple of his guru Yamunacharya and Yamunacharya trusted him fully. He would serve his guru very nicely, like you know, Prabhupada describes the guru-disciple relationship. And this Purna had two sisters, so obviously before he had taken sannyas, he wanted to execute all his responsibilities before he gives up household life and goes and starts, you know, serving his guru, completely surrendering his life to Lord Vishnu. So he had two sisters; they were called as Diktimati and Pantimati. Mati. So he knew it was this responsibility. His parents are no longer there, so his responsibility was to get these sisters married off. So he gets them married off. And you know, conducts their marriage in a very nice way, and he gets Kanti Mati married to a person, a great devout devotee and a Brahmana, very highly learned Brahmana, called Asuri Keshavacharya, who was also known as Sarvakriti. So, his his fame was spread throughout South India, this Sarvakriti's fame, because he was very proficient in performing Yajnas. That was his speciality, he was very good at performing Yajnas. Very devout Brahmana and very good devotee of the Lord. So the only anxiety which Kantipati and uh, Sarvakriti or this Asuri Ketava, Keshavacharya had was they had no son. Despite many years of marriage, they had no son. So uh, instead of know resorting to some demigod worship and all that, they were great devotees of the Lord. So uh, Sarvakriti knew exactly what to do. So he went to the temple of Parthasarthi. There was a famous temple of Parthasarthi on the banks of the ocean of present-day Chennai. There's a Parthasarathi temple there. So he went and he did a Yajna to get a son to invoke the blessings of Lord Vishnu. So he did a big Yajna for many days. And at the end of the Yajna, because of his devotion, Lord Narayan was so pleased that he appeared in a dream to him. And he told him that, Don't worry, I will fulfill your desire of begetting a son. You go back, you and your wife go back. They used to live in a place called Bhutipur. So he said, you'll go back to your place, native place, and very soon... And Ansh will appear, of, of me will appear as your son. So he was so happy. kantimati Mati and Sarvathati were so happy. So after a few months, kantimati Mati gave birth to a beautiful baby boy. And at the same time, her sister, Dittimati, also gave birth to a very beautiful baby boy. And just looking at the symptoms of this baby boy whom kantimati Mati and Sarvathati gave birth to, people were just getting so spellbound. Because that child had very divine appearance and he had all the divine qualities which people had read about in the shastras. They knew that a very empowered personality has appeared in the world. And when Shaila Purna heard that, you know, the brother of these two sisters, he heard that his sisters have given birth and his nephews have been born, he decided to come because that time Yamuna Chandra was living in Sri So Shaila Purna was serving his guru in Sri so he decided to come to Bhutipur to give blessings to his nephews and bring the blessings of his guru as well for the two nephews that were born. So when he also comes and he sees this little boy which was born to mathi he was also taken aback. He realized that this particular personality is a great personality. And he actually was thinking about, there was a prophecy which a great alwar called Nama alwar had done, Nama alwar. He had done a great prophecy that very in the near future there will be an Ansh or there will be an Ansh of Lord Lakshman who will appear in this world. And that is what um, Sir Shaila Chakurna realized when he looked at this child that yes, this is none other than Lord Lakshman who must appear again in this material world. So therefore he named this child as Ramanuja. Ramanuja means, Anuja means the follower of Lord Ram because Lakshman was a devout follower of Lord Ram. So that is how Shailapurna gave his name to Ramanuja He gave the name Ramanuja because he realized that this is the prophecy of Namalwar that Lakshman will come back, had come true. And for Diptimati Sanj, he was also, you know, a very divine child, so he gave him the name Govinda. So these were the two brothers, two cousin brothers who were growing up together. And in the early life of Ramanuja it is described that he actually got married at the age of 16. His father insisted that he should get married, he should settle down. So, in his early childhood, he was showing all the divine symptoms of, uh, of being a very great devotee. He, would, he was very detached from the material world, very learned scholar. Anything that he would hear or read once, he could completely memorize and remember, whatever he had uh, read and heard. So, his father wanted him to settle down in Drahasasana. So, he got him married at 16 years of age and his wife's name was Raksha Kambala. So after, soon after Brahmanuchacharya's marriage, his father passed away and Ramanuchacharya along with his family they moved um, actually to Kanchipuram which was not far from the place where they lived. And after he moved to Kanchipuram, some of the elders over there and you know elders Sanyasis who were over there, they advised Ramanuchacharya that there is a very famous school which is run by a great scholar called Yadav Prakash. So they advised him that you need to further your education, you need to learn the Vedas, the Upanishads. So please go and join this Yadav Prakash school because he is a great scholar and a very learned Pandit. So he, he actually went and joined that Yadav Prakash school. Now some background is given about Yadav Prakash. So Yadav Prakash was actually a disciple, a follower of Shankaracharya. So he was a devout follower of the monistic or Advaita philosophy of the Lord. And whenever he would speak, because Ramanujacharya was a born devotee, he was a great devotee, he is Lakshan. So whenever he would hear Yadav Prakash speak, his heart would be pain hearing of his monistic explanations. But he was extremely humble and gentle. So he would never speak up against his Guru. He knew how he had to respect his Guru. But his heart would always be under pain. So when he was living, living in this Kanchipuram, there was a great devotee of the name Kanchipurna. And Purna was actually a Shudra by birth, but he was a great devotee and recognizing his great devotion, he was given the personal service of Vardharaj Perumal. So there is a famous temple of Vardharaj which is there in Kanchipuram, and Kanchipurna used to serve the Lord. So it is described that Purna was such a simple and nice, like very devout servant of the Lord, that Lord Vardharaj would directly talk, they would have conversations. So anybody who in that village of Kanchipuram who wanted some question answered from the Lord, they knew they had to go to Kanchipurna. They would say, Oh Kanchipurna, can you please go and ask this particular thing from the Lord for us? And the Lord would actually converse and give answers to Kanchipurna. He would miss this famous service of fanning the Lord. And in summer month it is described, he would dip that fan into water, like scented water, and then he would fan the Lord very nicely so that the Lord gets cooling breezes. He, he would bring the best choicest foods and offer them to the Lord. So, in this way, he was just engaged in simple devotional service for Vardaraj Karimari. And Ramanujacharya had the great fortune that Kanchipurna used to always pass by his house. So, Ramanujacharya sometimes would invite him home. He would have long conversations with Kanchipurna. But Kanchipurna was sort of trying to maintain a distance from Ramanujacharya because he knew Ramanujacharya was studying under a, an Advaita guru. Yadav Prakash, he knew he was taking teachings from a monistic guru. So when uh, Ramanujacharya was there in this Yadav Prakash school, one day he was massaging the feet of his guru. And there was a disciple, another disciple of Yadav Prakash, who came to ask a question to uh, Yadav Prakash. He said that in the Chandoka, Chandogya Upanishad, one of the shlokas explained that Lord Narayan's eyes are reddish in colour. So can you give a further explanation on this? Now, we have also heard, like, you know, there are so many uh, verses which glorify the eyes of Lord Krishna, how they are a bit reddish like the lotus flower, the, like the red lotus flower. So, the explanation which Yadav gave, uh, sorry, uh, Yadav gave to his disciple was that, yes, that's true, uh, my guru Shankaracharya has given an explanation on that verse and over there he describes that Lord Narayan's eyes are reddish like the rare end of a monkey. Because we you know monkeys and baboons, you know, they are is a bit reddish in color. And this is the explanation which Yadav Prakash gives to that disciple. And when Ramanuja hears this explanation, being the you know great devotee that he was, hot tears start flowing from his eyes. His heart was pain and those tears fall on his on Yadav Prakash's feet because he was massaging his feet at that time. And Yadav Prakash asks, "Why are you crying? What happened? That to your tears are full of grief. They are very hot." So uh, Ramanujacharya explains, he's saying that my heart is pained when I'm hearing this explanation, you know, of the supreme worship of the Lord Narayan. How can his eyes be compared to the rare end of a monkey? And that way, you know, he like implores Yadav Prakash not to do this blasphemy. He's saying, I can't hear this blasphemy of Lord Narayan. So Yadav Prakash was very arrogant because he was a learned scholar, he was extremely arrogant. So he becomes very angry at Ramanujacharya. And he says that I am just repeating the words of my guru Shankaracharya of the, you know, understanding that he has given of this verse. So why are you refuting or challenging that particular understanding? Do you have a better understanding than this to give, an an explanation to give? And Ramanujacharya actually gives a beautiful explanation. He says that Lord Narayan's eyes are reddish. It's because they are always filled with tears, first of all, all, because of compassion for his devotees. And, you know, he's always wanting to shower mercy on his devotees. So, because his eyes are, you know, generally moist with tears, that's why his eyes are red. But also because his eyes are compared to the red lotus flower in the rising sun. So, he said that is the comparison, actually. The red lotus flower in the rising sun how beautiful it appears because the sun is falling. It's a red lotus flower and the sun is falling on it and how effulgent the lotus flower becomes. That is how the Lord's eyes are. So that is the comparison. And when Prakash hears this, he becomes extremely angry with Ramanujacharya because he feels that he is refuting or challenging Shankara philosophy. So that way, you know, there was now tension had started growing because Ramanujacharya would keep refuting the monistic uh, philosophy which... Prakash uh, used to preach in the school which Ramanuja to used to attend, and that tension was continuously growing. In fact, uh, there was also one okay, um, incident which happened that there was a king who used to live in that particular kingdom, the king of Kanchipuram, the Veda state uh, in which Kanchipuram was there. And that particular king's daughter, for some time, was possessed by a ghost. And that ghost had gone into the daughter, and he was making her do all sorts of nonsense things. She had obviously her, her, her complete behavior had gone out of control because the ghost was completely controlling her from within. So, they were the king heard that Yadav Prakash is very good at, you know, Yadav Prakash had that particular talent or skill of uh, getting a ghost out of a person. So, he was first invited. And he does all his, you know, those, uh, whatever mantras and tantras and all that he chanted to ex- uh, get that ghost out of the girl. But the ghost speaks loudly from within the girl and he says to Prakash, he saying that you are following this monistic philosophy, this advaita philosophy, and you are trying to, you know, all those methods to get me out. But I'm not going to listen to you. I'm not at all impressed by what are you doing. I will come out of this girl only on one condition. If you invite your disciple Ramanujacharya over here, because he is a great devotee of the Lord, he is very simple and humble at heart. So, only if he comes over here, I will go out of this world. So, then Yadav Prakash had no choice because the ghost had announced in public for him to do that. So, he had no choice, although there was tension growing between him and Ramanujacharya, he had to invite Ramanujacharya over there. So, when Ramanujacharya came, he just prayed to Lord Narayan in front of the ghost. He sat down and he prayed to Lord Narayan. He prayed that, "Oh Lord Narayan, this girl has been possessed by this ghost. Please shower your mercy and take this ghost out, and you know give the ghost also liberation and you know make the girl also free from this uh, influence the ghost is having on her." So when he started praying loudly like that, so when the ghost heard this. The ghost said that, okay, I will, I'm ready to come out because I'm very pleased by all the sincerity and seriousness that you've shown in playing to Lord Narayan. but only on one condition, that you put your feet on my head. So on my head, feet on the girl's head. So Ramanujacharya says, yes, I will do that, but are you promising me that will you will leave this girl there? And the ghost said, yes, I promise you. And then asked further proof, he said that not just promise, how will I come to know that you've left this girl because you might just become quiet for a few days, and then you might again erupt inside the girl. So the ghost says, "Okay, see, we are all sitting under this banyan tree. And as soon as I, when you put your head on my, uh, your lotus feet on my head, I will leave the girl. And the tallest branch of the banyan, banyan tree will crack and fall down. So that will be the proof that I've left. And that is what happened. happened. Ravanujacharya placed his lotus feet on the girl. He blessed the ghost and the girl, and the ghost immediately left the girl's body." And at that same moment, this branch fell down. So again, you know, this made Yadav Prakash even more envious of his disciple, That, you know, his fame and glory is spreading all over the world. And, you know, if, uh, Yadav Prakash's fame and glory was going down. Because Ramanujacharya was able to refute and defeat his Guru. So on another occasion again, when Raman, uh, Yadav Prakash was explaining some monastic philosophy, Ramanujacharya in front of everybody defeated his Guru by, you know, establishing pure Vaishnava Siddhanta and that, you know, the Vishishtha advaita philosophy which Ramanujacharya had come to expound. He he completely refuted and defeated his Guru. And that particular point was like the highest point of humiliation for prakash So he decided, he called some of his very close disciples who were his chelas and who were also, you know, uh, following the monistic philosophy and he invited them, he asked them, That look, this is what is going on. This Ramanujacharya's fame is spreading all over the three worlds. And I am, my fame is going down and thus he is keeping on refuting. He is actually blaspheming his guru. He is blaspheming Shankara's your teachings. So what should we now do with this Ramanujacharya? So some of the disciples said, oh let's expel him. We will just take him, drive him out of your school guru. And Yadav Draka said, but if I expel, expel him, he might go and start another school. And obviously, already the fame has spread, so people will throng to his school, and no one will come to our school there. So then they were pondering what to do, and then Yadav Prakash and the disciples decided that it is best that we kill Ramanujacharya. So see, you know, this is the plot. Just because of envy and his fame going down, this is what how Yadav Prakash's mind has become. Even though he was a transcendentalist, because whatever it is, he was following some monistic philosophy. But fear and envy had gripped his mind. So he says, what I will do is, let's take a pilgrimage to Ganga. We'll go on a pilgrimage to some of the holy places. And to travel to Ganga from south, it will take many, many months. So, and then when we go over there, in one of the forests, we will kill Charya, And we'll come back and tell in Kanchipuram. No one will suspect and we'll say that, oh, he died. One of the, some wild animals must have killed him in the forest. So that way we decided to kill Charya. The whole plot was put into place. And then he announced to his students that we are going to go on a pilgrimage. So everyone was so jubilant, even Ramanujacharya was happy that he will be able to go and see some holy places, he will be able to take mother, uh, darshan of Mother Ganga. So he and his cousin brother Govinda, who was also part of that school, they all left with Yadav Prakash. So they all traveled for many months, and one of the nights they were in a, in a very remote forest. They were camping over there and that time Yadav Prakash called his disciples. Ramanujacharya had gone to the forest to collect some fruits and berries and all that. And Yadav Prakash called his disciples and said that this is a very opportune time. I think this is a good time. We can go into the forest, kill Ramanujacharya and leave his body there. And when we go back, we felt tell that he died because of we yeah, like animal killing or whatever. And Govinda, the cousin brother of Ramanujacharya, thankfully happened to be there. And he heard, overheard this whole plot which Ado Prakash was doing with his disciples. So he quickly ran to Ramanujacharya into the forest and he told him that this is what they are doing. So you please run away immediately from here, otherwise they are, they are plotting tonight to kill you. So Ramanujacharya hearing this, he started running and for days and days and days he kept, kept running through the forest. Now, he was hardly 18 years old at that time, so he wasn't very old. And he was getting lost in the forest, he couldn't see the end of the forest. So, while he was running like this, trying to escape, and you know, trying to save his life, at this end, Riyadhaprakash uh, had sent his disciples, his followers, to see, but nobody could find Ramanujacharya. And for days and days, he didn't return. So, they actually concluded that, good, we did not have to kill him, some animal has killed him, looks like, and he's dead. And externally they all showed grief four, oh, Ramanuj is gone because Govinda was there with, uh, then. But Govinda just kept quiet and they, you know, continued on their pilgrimage. <laughs> so at this end, Ramanuj was running for days and days, but he was still not finding the way back to his hometown, which was Kanchipuram. So then he prayed to Lord Narayan, he said that I'm lost in this jungle, I don't know the way out, I've been going around in circles I think, but you please help me and show me a way out of this forest. And at that time he saw far away, there was a hunter going, like travelling to the forest with his wife. So he approaches the hunter and he tells him that I have lost my way, I am trying to go to the city of Kanchipuram, can you all please help me? And the hunter said that my wife and I kill birds, that is our profession and we know it's a very sinful activity. So we are going to Rameshwaram and Kanchipuram to pray to the Lord and to purify ourselves, to get rid of all the sins. So yes, we can definitely take you, you please start travelling with us, we will guide you back to Kanchipuram. So he starts travelling with his hunter and his wife and for days and days they keep walking and then you know the hunter's wife becomes very thirsty one of the days. So she tells him that there is a well not far away from here, can you please get me some water. So Ramanujacharya goes and gets water for the hunter's wife and the hunter's wife brings that water and she says I am still thirsty. So he keeps going back and forth, he keeps drinking so much water that the hunter's wife's horse is not quenched only. And then he again goes to bring water from the well, and then when he comes back, he suddenly sees the hunter and his wife have disappeared. And he feels, oh, where have they gone? Where have they gone? What happened? And then he sees, he sits down near the well and he's wailing that these, these people have gone now. Oh, how will I find the way? But in the distance, he suddenly sees, you know, rising temples, like big big temples, he sees the domes of some temples. So he asked the passerby going that way and he asked the passerby, he says that I was on my way to Kanchipuram, I had lost my way, but can you please now tell me where is Kanchipuram? And The passerby is a little surprised, he says that here, these temples and these domes which you, are, which you have seen is Kanchipuram. You have arrived at the outskirts of Kanchipuram and I know who you are, you are Charya, the famous disciple of Yado Prakash. So everyone is waiting, please come back, come back to your hometown. And at that time, the realization dawns on Ramanujacharya that actually the hunter and his wife were none other than Lakshmi and Narayan who had come to help him. They had come because he had prayed so intensely to Lord Narayan, they had come to help him out of the calamity that he was facing of being lost in the forest. So he actually cries, in ecstasy he crying that the Lord actually came and helped him personally. And in that mood he goes back to his hometown. He reaches into Panchandra and he goes and meets his mother. And he tells his mother and his wife how what was the plot of Yadav Prakash and how he he had tried to kill him. So everyone was relieved to see him. And Yadav Prakash comes to see him as well. And externally he shows joy. He sees that oh oh oh, thank goodness you have returned. We thought you had you had been killed by some animals and all that. But obviously internally he was very upset that this is what had happened. And he is now you know alive. He is back alive and his plot did not succeed. So, Ramanudacharya then, you know, decided that it's better he leaves the school, so he, he stops going to the school. And then he goes, approaches Kanchipurna, because he knew Kanchipurna was always hesitant to uh, associate with him because of his association with Yadav Prakash, who was a Maya then. So now he goes and uh, falls at the feet of Kanchipurna. And he tells Kanchipurna that, look, I have left the school of Yadav Prakash, I have stopped associating with him. Can you please give me initiation and accept me as your disciple? I have a great desire to serve you.
1: So, Purna was very humble
0: and he was a Shudra by birth. So, he tells uh, And every occasion that Ramanujacharya would approach him, he would keep telling him, how can I do that? You are a very highly learned Brahmana, you are born in such a high Brahman caste and I am a Shudra by nature. I am just a simple person, just serving Lord Varga, I am doing some simple services but I am not at all qualified to give you initiation. You should go and take initiation from someone who is very qualified, who is also a highly learned Brahmanarya like yourself. So, Rananuddha Charya actually told him, he said that if my Brahmin birth is coming in the way of accepting you as my guru, because for Vaishnavism there is nothing called Shudra, there is nothing called Shudra, Brahmana, Vaishya, all these castes and creeds and uh, ashrams and all these is not there. Vaishnavism is beyond all these uh, divisions. So he said, if my Brahmin birth is coming in the way of me accepting you as a Guru, then to hell with my Brahmin birth, it would have been better I would have taken birth as a Shudra, which would have then allowed me to accept you as my Guru. So I am not seeing any distinction. Why have you seen this distinction? He was imploring Kanchipurna like that. But Kanchipurna being the humble person who was, he refused. He kept refusing to give initiation. And then Kanchipurna went and spoke to Lord Bharadarajya. He told Lord Vardaraj that this, you know, Ramanujacharya is such an ardent devotee of yours. How can I give him initiation? But he's keeping on begging me. So please give me the permission. I want to leave Kanchipuram and go to, go and serve your form in Balaji for some time. And Vardaraj actually gives him the blessing. He says, okay, you go and serve my form in uh, Balaji for some time and then you come back when, you, when your heart is satisfied. So Kanchipuram actually leaves that place and goes away. And in the meantime, Yamuna whom we spoke about in the beginning of the class, who was the greatest uh, devotee and who was the greatest acharya at that time present on the planet. He was very, he was very old, and he was about to leave his body. So he actually wanted because he had heard about the glories of Acharya, And you know, it takes one to recognize one he say. So he could recognize that Acharya is going to be the next uh, Acharya of uh, Sri Vaishnava Sampradaya. So he actually sends one of his disciples that he please go and fetch Ramanujacharya come because I want to meet him once and I want to give him some instructions before I leave my body. So the disciple travels to uh, Kanchigura but in the meantime Yamanujacharya actually leaves his body. So he was not able to uh, have darshan or in fact Ramanujacharya was not able to have darshan of Yamanujacharya before he left his body. So the disciples of Yamunacharya started making grand arrangements for the funeral of Yamunacharya, for the you know, the samadhi creation of Yamunacharya, and they, they started making all elaborate preparations because he was such a great Acharya. So in the meantime, this disciple and Ramanujacharya arrived over there in Sri Rangam, and Ramanujacharya comes to know that Yamunacharya has already left his body. So he is very crestfallen, He's very heartbroken. And he thinks that I lost the opportunity to associate with such a great exalted Vaishnava. So he's crying in grief over there. And everybody, whoever were the disciples of Yamunacharya, they saw Ramanujacharya for the first time. And they were also shocked to see his divine quality. They were all feeling from within that this is going to be the next Acharya of Sri Sampradaya. So Ramanujacharya comes to pay his last homages um, to Yamunacharya. And he observes that Yamunacharya's three fingers are tightly closed. So he asks the disciples, he said that, was, was it always like that, would, would he always keep his three fingers closed, that is how normally Yamunacharya would stay, like his hand would be. And the disciples observed and they said, no, this is quite strange that he has kept his fingers closed like this. So Ramanujacharya understood that Yamunacharya wants him to execute some mission, unfulfilled mission of his. So then he goes near the body of uh, Yamunacharya and he opens, like he, he says, that I am taking three vows today. And he says, the first vow I am taking for my Guru Yamunacharya is that I will spread the message of pure devotional service to Lord Vishnu or Lord Narayan. I will spread this message of Vaikuntha Bhakti all over the world through my own example and through my words. And I promise I will spread this and I will. I promise that I will bring loads and loads of people into the process of bhakti. So as soon as Ramanuchacharya makes that vow, the first finger of Charya opens. And people were shocked that this was happening. He was already, you know, he had already passed away some time ago, but the finger opened. Then Ramanuchacharya continues. He says that the second vow I take is that I will write a Vaishnava commentary on the Vedanta Sutra, and which will be called as Shri Bhashya. And I will write this commentary because my Guru's mission was to establish Vaishnavism. So I will write this commentary which will refute Advaita philosophy, which will refute Maya philosophy, where they say that the Lord is an illusion and all that. So I will firmly establish through this uh, uh, commentary called Sri Bhashya, which I will write on the Vedanta Sutra, I will firmly refute the Maya and philosophy of Shankaracharya. So as soon as he makes the second vow, the second finger of Yamunacharya opens. And then Ramanujacharya says, he says that with deep gratitude and an act of uh, saying thank you to the great Parasharamuni, who was the father of Vyasadev and who because of whom Vyasadev came into the world and he wrote all these, you know, obviously all the Vedas, Bhagavatam, everything has, come, has been written by Vyasadev. So he said, as a, as a matter of gratitude, I will name one of my disciples after this great Parasharamuni. I will name him as Das. And as soon as he makes this third vow or promise, the third finger of uh, Yamunacharya opens. And everyone was ecstatic when they see this happen, this miracle happen. And they realized that actually Yamunacharya has empowered Ramanujacharya to carry on his lineage. So although Yamunacharya had come and he had also established he was a great uh, devotee and an acharya, these were the three missions which he couldn't fulfill in his lifetime. He didn't have enough time because he was taking care of, you know, spreading Sri he was taking care of spreading Krishna, like Vaishnava Bhakti, Vaish, uh, Vishnu Bhakti. So these are the three unfulfilled mission, missions he had, and people realized that Ramanujacharya is the one now who is going to carry forth the mission of Yamunacharya. So after that, the whole, you know, cremation, everything happens of uh, Yamunacharya, and then Ramanujacharya was going to leave uh, Kanchipuram. So at that time he was so leave for Kanchipuram. he was going to leave Sri Rangan. So everybody invites him and tells him that why don't you now make this year base down because Yamunacharya has empowered you to become the next Acharya. And will did, did you not take darshan of Ranganath Swami before you leave? And Ramanujacharya says, he says that I am so sinful that I could not even take darshan of my Guru. He left his, uh, this world before I could take darshan and there is one more saying who is not ready to initiate me. So I am very sinful at heart, that is why this is happening. So I have to go back, purify myself and then I will come over here. So then he goes back to Kanchipuram and he by that time Kanchipurna had returned back to Kanchipuram because Balaji spoke to Kanchipurna when he was serving him. He said that in my form as Vardaraja, your service was to fan me with cooling scented waters. Right now no one is doing that and I am feeling very hot. So please go back, Balaji said to him, please go back and serve my, me in my form as Vardaraj once again. So Kanchipura Purna returns back to Kanchipuram and Ramanujacharya actually again falls at his feet and he tells him, please give me initiation. So he actually invites him home. He realizes that Kanchipurna is not agreeing but he knew the potency of you know accepting the remnants of a devotee. So he said, let me invite him home for Prashad and once he takes Prashad, I will accept his remnants that way all my sins will be purified and then maybe Kanchi Purna will accept me as his disciple because my sins have got purified. So he invites and he tells his wife that I have invited his great saint. So make an elaborate feast for him. And his wife was quite, you know, devoted to Ramanujacharya. She was very obedient to him. Although she was herself not a great devotee, but she was very obedient to him. So she prepares a nice feast for Kanchi Purna. And then Ramanuja Charya, once the feast is ready, Ramanuja Charya goes to bring Kanchipurna to his house. So Kanchipurna in the meantime has realized, because he was also realizing. So he realized what Ramanuja Charya was trying to do by inviting him home for prasad. He realized that he is actually trying to take my remnants and then he will again beg me for initiation. So Kanchipurna in the meantime goes to another part and reaches the house of Ramanuja Charya while Ramanuja Charya is not there. So he tells Ramanujacharya's wife, Raksha Kambala, he says that please give me, serve me prashat quickly because I have to go back to my service, to Vardaraj Karimara. And his wife says, Raksha Kambala says that let Ramanujacharya come, he is actually gone to call you. And he says, no, 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 I have to rush back. If you want, you give me now, otherwise I will go. So then obviously she realizes he is in a hurry, so she serves him. Very lovingly she serves him all the prashad that she had cooked. And once he had taken all the Prashadmi quickly, like he washed his plate also and drank, and then he leaves from there quickly, before Ramanujacharya could come back. And then Ramanujacharya comes back and he says, I couldn't find Kanchipurna, and he saw his wife was cleaning up and all, and he said, you are uh, already cleaning up, what happened? So she said, while you were gone, Kanchiburna came and uh, took Prashad, and he was in a hurry, so he left. So Ramanujacharya says that, oh but have you kept his remnants, that was the main purpose of inviting him. So his wife says that, no, he's a Shudra, how can he accept his remnant? So I threw his plate away. And Ramanujacharya was so angry with his wife because she was still making those distinctions based on birth, that we are high high caste brahmins. he was a Shudra, how can we accept his remnant? So although very obedient and docile and subservient to Ramanujacharya, she didn't have this high realization of bhakti. So then Ramanujacharya goes to Kanchipurna and he begs, again he begs for initiation. And this time Purna says, he says that I have already spoken to Vardaraj and Vardaraj has told me that there is a very great disciple of Yamunacharya who is going to come soon and he will become your initiating spiritual master. So you just wait for him and he will, I will still be a siksha guru but you take initiation from him. And actually true to his words, after some time there is a great disciple of uh, Yamunacharya called Mahapurna. Who came and Mahapurna was actually sent because as soon as Yamunacharya left and Ramanacharya did not agree to stay in Sri his disciples, Yamunacharya's disciples, started observing that you know the great power which Yamunacharya was carrying and the preaching that he was doing for Vaishnavism that had gone. So people were becoming very complacent in their bhakti. Like we hear, every time an Acharya leaves, there will be a turmoil for a little bit of time. So that is what was going on in Sri People were becoming slack. They were becoming complacent, no one was doing bhakti like they were doing when uh, Yamunacharya was present. So all the disciples realized that it is time now for another Acharya to come and take Yamunacharya's place. So they actually request Mahapurna, they said because he was the leading disciple of Yamunacharya. So they requested you go and fetch uh, Charya and come. So Mahapurna was very happy to do that particular service because he knew of the glories of Ramunacharya. So he and his wife travel together and they reach uh, Ramanujacharya's house in Kanchipurna. And Ramanujacharya was so happy to receive Mahapurna and his wife. So he divides his house into half, like two halves. And in one half he and his wife were staying and he gave the other half to Mahapurna and his wife to stay. And very lovingly he started serving him. And he actually took initiation following the instructions of Varadaraj Perinad and Kanchipurna. He took initiation also from Mahapurna. So Mahapurna and his wife were living there, they were serving very nicely. They were instructing Ramanujacharya to come back to Sri Rangam. And then one day when Mahapurna's wife was spilling water from the well, and Ramanujacharya's wife had also gone there, some water from her pot, uh, from Mahapurna's wife's pot, fell into Ramanujacharya's wife, uh, like Raksha Kambala's wife's pot. And she became very angry because she still had the division of, you know, Shudra and uh, Brahmin. So Mahapurna was also a Shudra by birth, by birth, even though he was a great devotee. So she became very angry with Mahapurna's wife. And she said, What have you done? You have spoiled all the water that I had collected because water from your pot has fallen into my pot. So although you know my husband has accepted initiation from you, that does not mean that we forget the fact that you are Shudra by birth. And now see what has happened, I'll have to again fill water like she really gave her a thrashing. And Mahapurna's wife was taken aback, she is actually Guru Mata but she getting this crashing from his, from the disciple's wife. So she was crying uncontrollably and Mahapurna asked her, what happened, why crying? And she described the whole incident. So Mahapurna realized, he said that this is an indication of Lord Narayan, that we should now go back, we have to leave this place, we should not live here any longer. So they, they actually start going back and then Ramanujacharya wasn't there during that time. So when he comes back, he realizes what his wife has done and he... He was grief stricken that his guru had to leave, leave in you know, such a sad state of mind, and she actually did this Vaishnava great Vaishnava So, Ramanujacharya realized that he actually now wants to go to Sri Rangam and start preaching Vishishtha, Advaita philosophy that he had come to preach. But he knew he had to take sannyas before that. So, he somehow tricks a Brahmin into going to Ramanujacharya's wife and asking for alms. And the Brahmin goes and tells that, I've got this letter. I've come from your father's village and I've got this letter from your father. So he tricks his uh, Raksha Kambala. And Raksha Kambala sees that letter and she's very happy. And she shows it to Ramanujacharya. Like the letter was written by Ramanujacharya only to trick her. But she shows and says, oh my ba, my father is calling me back for, to stay with him for some days. So Ramanujacharya happy dispatches, is go and stay with your father for some days and come." And he utilizes that opportunity to take sannyas and cut off his ties with his wife. <laughs> so he actually goes uh, to the bank of the holy river, which was there um, in Kanchipuram, and he goes and begs Kanchipurna, and this time Kanchipurna agrees to give him sannyas. So he, he uh, puts on orange robes, takes an orange cloth, and creates the three danda, wraps it around the uh, danda. And then Kanchipurna initiates him, he gives him the sannyas name of Yati That was Ramanujacharya's sannyas name. So once he got this, then he actually um, went back to Sri Rangam. Sorry, went back, went to Sri Rangam and took Ramanujacharya's place and he started preaching the pure philosophy of Vishishta Advaita. So um, this is is the whole life of Ramanujacharya. There are many more uh, stories like his, you know, there are some pastimes about his disciple Kuresh who actually got his eyes burned. Uh, because he did not want his guru to uh, get any kind of harm done by an envious king. But just speaking about the philosophy of Ramanujacharya, so the philosophy he came to expound was called as Vishishta Advaita philosophy. And this particular philosophy was mainly so we know how the Lord came as Lord Buddha. So he came as Lord Buddha, he actually, animal killing was rampant, so he actually told people that there are no Vedas, don't believe in all, the, all these Vedas and there is nothing but Voidism. So Lord Buddha came and established this Buddhist Voidist philosophy and after that people were completely, had completely stopped following Vedas and Upanishads and all that. So then we know the Lord sent Lord Shiva as Shankaracharya to re-establish the position of the Vedas. But in doing so he actually established what is called as Mayavad philosophy. Because again that instruction was given by Lord Krishna, by Vishnu to Lord Shiva, that you establish a, a, a philosophical sect which will keep all the impure people away from the pure Vaishnava philosophical uh, sect or uh, tradition. So the main purpose that Shankaracharya established, this whole Mayavad philosophy, was to keep people away from the pure path of bhakti and only attract the people who are ready, whose hearts are purified to the pure path of bhakti. So Shankaracharya came and established the Advaita or the monistic philosophy or Maya philosophy and then Lakshman came as Ramanujacharya to re-establish what was already lost, to re-establish the pure sect of Vaishnavism. So that was the purpose of Ramanujacharya. His main purpose, he was an extremely powerful Acharya and with his strong, the Govinda, the Sri Bhashya commentary which he wrote on the Vedanta Sutra. So one more thing which is very unique about Ramanujacharya was he never wrote a commentary on the Bhagavad. So he accepted it and he believed in it, but he never wrote a commentary on that. And the main reason which Acharya has explained was that because the Vedas, you know, Shankaracharya was established in his maya philosophy based on Vedas, Upanishads and all that. So therefore Ramanujacharya was always preaching strongly from Vedas and Upanishads and Vedanta Sutras. He was always preaching strongly from that refuting the Maya philosophy, because he knew people will accept that more. If he speaks about pure Bhagavatam, people wouldn't be ready to accept. So that therefore he wrote the Sri Bhashya commentary and all that. And then later on, after a few hundred years, Madhavacharya came. So Madhavacharya did not refute Ramanujacharya's philosophy, but he just took it further. And he established what is called as the Dvaita philosophy. And then we had Chaitanya Mahaprabhu appeared in the Brahma uh, he started the Brahma Madhva Gaudiya Sampradaya and he established the Achindiya Bhyeda So Prabhupada explains that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu actually synthesized every all the Sampradayas and he gave us the pure teachings of you know, uh, pure teachings of all the four sampradayas in the achintya Bhyeda philosophy that he established. So you know in that way we should consider ourselves very fortunate that we are somehow associated with Chaitanya Mahaprabhu who is none other than Krishna himself and who has synthesized all the four sampradayas and given us the pristine teaching called the love of Radharani and Krishna that he came to spread. So one of the great contributions of Ramanuja Chariya, like you know in establishing the Vishishta Advaita philosophy, was actually firmly establishing the teachings of the Alvars. So the Alvars are great devotees, they were all there in South India, they were great devotees of the Lord. And he came and established Yad teachings because they were all Vaishnavas. So strong Vaishnavism based on the Alvars' teachings. That is what Ramanujacharya's contribution was while establishing the Vishishtar philosophy. So we will stop over here, it's almost 9 o'clock and if there's any questions or comments or anyone has anything to add about Ramanujacharya. What, what is Vishishtar Vaita philosophy? So, from what I understood by reading, while I was reading about Ramanujacharya, was Vishishta Advaita philosophy. So, in the uh, Advaita philosophy, Shankaracharya says that there is no difference. Like you and God are one, and you know everything is illusion. Even this material world is Nitya. That is all an illusion, and you are also one with God. So, that is Advaita philosophy, non duality. And then Vishishta Advaita philosophy, from what I understood, Prabhuji was there are three principles. There is Chit, that means that the soul is separate, he is a part and parcel of the Lord. Then there is Sat. Sat means there is eternality, there is a spiritual world and a material world, and that is true, it is not false, this material world and spiritual world. So that is Sat. And the third thing was Ishwara. So Ishwara means there is a completely separate Ishwara. So the Jiva and the Ishwara are separate. And the Jiva has come into this, uh, this material world, which is also eternal, which keeps going, gets destroyed, keeps going on, to then realize his position and worship Ishvara. So that is what I have understood about Krishishtha. You would like to add up? <laughs> Any other questions or comments? Krishishtha, uh, was that where that philosophy, was that the spoken about? is that what Amarudhacharya um, said, what administration was? Vishishtarwar's philosophy was what Charya came in the context. So he came in the Sri Sampradaya or Lakshmi Sampradaya, so that is a bona fide Vaishnava Sampradaya, but the teachings were lost over a period of time. So Ramanujacharya came, and plus Shankaracharya had came and spread Mayavad philosophy or Advaita philosophy, so Ramanujacharya came to re-establish Vaishnavism or, and then this philosophy was called as Vashishtadvaita because his main purpose was to repute Shankaracharya's Mayavada philosophy. So he was firmly establishing that there is Jiva which is uh, uh, Chit and there is also Ishvara which is the Lord and then there is this Satta material world and this spiritual world. So that is the philosophy it's come yes. No, 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 I see. I see yes. Yes. So, Dvaita philosophy, Dvaita philosophy, and Achyantaveya Dvaita, because Chaitanya Prabhu took, like I was explaining, he took the essence of all the Vaishnava sampradaya So, and all the Vaishnava Sampradayas always propagate or propound that the Jiva is separate, he is a servant of the Lord, Ishwara is separate. So, there is very fine lines of differences between these philosophies. That's right.
1: We'll stop the class
0: here. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.